0: Turn with me this morning in your Bible to First Peter, Chapter Five. First Peter, Chapter Five. going to read from the verse 12 to the end of the chapter 1st Peter chapter 5 we're going to read from verse 12 I had actually thought that this would probably be the last sermon on 1st Peter uh, chapter 5 I haven't read the last three verses to you in any of the readings that we had in First Peter chapter 5, I've deliberately left them off thinking that it would just be one sermon. But uh, there's so much material here and I'm just going to take a little bit of time as we finish off the uh, letter. So bear with me, although you'll not be getting all of it today, uh, we'll come back and look at this uh, after the Easter period, at least for a week, if not uh, uh, two more weeks. But First Peter chapter 5 and we're going to read from verse 12. Now, let's hear the word of the Lord. Let's read together, reading, of course, from the authorised verse. By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God, for in ye stand. The church that is at Babylon Elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus my son. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. And we trust and pray that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this short reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 5 that we've read together. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're focusing in on the last three verses. My text this morning is really taken from the verse 12. It reads as follows. By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you. As I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. And my theme today is simply entitled Learning from Sylvanus, a Faithful Brother. So now you know the text, 1 Peter 5 and 12. Now you know the theme Learning from Sylvanus, a Faithful Brother. <coughs> Now, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 12 to 14 forms the conclusion to Peter's first letter to the churches. In these verses, he mentions for the first time a man with him by the name of Sylvanus. He also tells us of the role that Sylvanus played in getting this letter out to the churches in five geographical areas. Sylvanus is really Peter's. Manuscript writer, the apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, dictated this letter to Sylvanus, and Sylvanus was the pen man. You think of a boss and a firm; he's got a secretary. He calls the secretary in. He asks her to write down a letter, and the letter's dictated by him from word of mouth, and he wants to send it to another individual or another firm. Well, well, Savanus was a bit like Peter's secretary. And according to the 12th verse, it's as if Peter, as he comes to the end of the letter, takes the pen in his own hand and writes the postscript. And when he had finished it, he, he sent it off to the Five churches in five provinces. Now remember what we read in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galata, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And as he closes the letter, he mentions by Silvanus A faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. Now, who was Silvanus? Where did he come from? What was he like? What did he do? And of course, there's not a lot known about Sylvanus in the New Testament. Scholars have debated and speculated for years about him, especially the root meaning of his name, Sylvanus. They've talked about his background and they've talked about his work. Now, all that we know about Sylvanus is what the Bible teaches and the Bible says about him. And of course, there are 14. Sorry, 17 references to him in the whole Bible. I don't know if you have a margin in your Bible, but I have. And at the letter, or at the the name Sylvanus, you'll see a little letter. And it corresponds to a particular text of uh, Scripture. And in my Bible here, it's Acts 15 verse 34. Now, now, we'll think about that for a moment. You see, most Bible-believing scholars accept that Silvanus is the same man that's called Silas in the book of Acts. Um, Thirteen times he is called Silas in the book of Acts. Four times he is called Sylvanus. Now Silas is the Greek form of Sylvanus, and Sylvanus is the Latin form of Silas. Now, now that's interesting. And Sylvanus, by name, is mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter one verse 19. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, or 1 Thessalonians chapter one verse one, and 2 Thessalonians chapter one verse one. And Silas, or Silvanus, is a Jew. And if you think of the first reference, turn over there to Acts 15 and verse 22. It says, Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Bar and Silas, chief men among the brethren. Now, I want you to think of this. This man is in the church at Jerusalem. He's known to the apostles and elders of the church. That has to include Peter. And uh, what they decided, they wanted to send some men to Antioch after the apostle Paul had come. And. Um, They they chose men of their own company. Uh, Silas was one of them. A man by the name of Judas uh, was the other. And they were sending them to Antioch along with Paul and Barnabas. And we're told that they were chief men among the brethren. Now let me tell you something else about Silvanus. He was not only a Jew that was in the church at Jerusalem and known to the apostles, But he was also, and this is again equally important, he was a Roman citizen, hence the two names, the Greek name and the Latin name. Over there in Acts chapter 16 and verse verse 37, but Paul said unto them, he's in prison in Philippi, he's been beaten and (coughs) beaten very badly. He says they have beaten us openly, condemned, uncondemned, being Romans. And have cast us into prison, and now do they thrust us out privily? They, nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. This was a, a word to the the the, the, the um, magistrates, uh, and again, that's very important because it meant that Silas or Sylvanus was a full Roman citizen, and as we've said. Think of the Latin form of his name. We're learning the man was a Jew. He was an early convert. He was a man in fellowship in the Mother Church of Jerusalem, a man with full Roman citizenship, and he became one of the chief men in the church. According to Acts 15.32, he functioned as a prophet, a man filled, anointed, enabled by the Spirit of God to preach and teach in the days before the canon of Holy Scripture was complete. A man who met Paul at Jerusalem. They become the best of friends. He becomes a fellow missionary with Paul. He, he accompanies him on at least two missionary journeys. He was greatly used by the Lord in the area of evangelism and encouragement of the people of God. And again, in the book of Acts, and that's all we can go with, in Acts chapter 2, and, or Acts 15 and verse 32, and Judas. And Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. Now now that again is important. A man who was faithful with the word of God. A man who was faithful to the God of the word. A man who was willing to endure hardship and, and even prison for God in the gospel. Silas was a real worker for God. Not just a travelling companion of Paul, not just a tea boy, not just a fetcher or a carrier. No, he played a very active role. And Acts 15 brings that out. Um, Paul, of course, chose this man to accompany him. You see Paul and Silas at Philippi in the prison house. He's mentioned, as I've said, in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 19, as preaching that Jesus was the Son of God. He's with uh, Paul and Timothy and, uh, and uh, uh, Thessalonica and, and no doubt other places as well. Now here we're learning for the first time in Peter's letter that there's a man with him. Who is the man? Sylvanus. what does that mean? That's a Latin name. It's the Latin form of the Greek name Silas. And this man has <coughs> wrote down a letter that come from Peter's lips. And the letter was not only dictated by word of mouth to him, and he wrote it down, but he was actually asked by Peter then to carry it and deliver it to the churches. And as Peter closes the letter, he writes by Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you. As I suppose I've written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein we stand. So, so that gives you a little background into Silvanus, a faithful brother. Now, what we can learn from Silvanus, a faithful brother, there, there's three things that really come to mind. First of all, Silvanus was a saved man. If you think of the words, by Sylvanus, a faithful brother, underline the word brother. Now, this is the last reference. The first reference was in Acts 15, verse 22, where we're told he's a chief man among the brethren or a chief man among the brothers. It's a reference to the fact that he belongs to the brotherhood or he belongs to the family of God. He, he, he is one of them. He, he was a Christian. As I said, he was an early convert in the church at Jerusalem. How and when and where, we're not exactly sure. Maybe he was one of the converts um, under Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. And they struck and formed a relationship away back then. Remember, there was 3,000 Jews converted on the day of Pentecost. What we do know is that he was in the church at Jerusalem... In the very early days, that was the mother church. He was known to all the apostles. He was known to the elders there. He rose up among the ranks. He became a notable man. In fact, it tells us he was one of the chief men among the brethren. See, there was a day when Silvanus discovered and knew that he was a sinner. He knew and discovered that he had a soul, that he needed to be saved. He knew that Jesus Christ, as he had heard the gospel, was the savior of sinners. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Is it not written in Luke nineteen and verse ten, "The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost"? And this man's heart was warmed as he heard the gospel. This man was born again of the Holy Spirit. This man got converted, and he became a believer. And the moment he became a believer and he could say, hi, I'm a believer now, he also became a brother. He, he, he became part of the brotherhood of God's people. He, he became a brother in God's family. You know, when we meet different people, not only from uh, Carrie Duff, but we meet different people, especially from the lakes of Palomina and the other side of County Antrim. and when they meet you, they say, well, what about you, brother? <coughs> And what does that mean? They're, they're, they're recognizing in you that you belong to God's family. And, and how do you begin to a family? You're born into the family. And before he became a servant, he became a saved man. Before he became a, a worker, he, he knew what it was to be a, a worshiper of God. Now I now ask the question what about you this morning, here in the house of God, listening on the internet? Are you a genuine, true Christian? Can, can you say, hey, I'm a believer now? Are you genuinely and truly saved? Have you got a testimony to the saving and keeping power of Christ? Have you come to the conviction that you're a sinner, that you've got a soul, that you need to be saved, that only Jesus Christ can save you? You see, many people know some of these facts, they've got the information. But it's not enough to have the facts and the information. You, you've got to act upon it. And I asked again, where do you stand spiritually before the Lord now? Silvanus was a saved man. He's called a faithful brother. Can you be called a faithful brother or a faithful sister this morning? Here's Sylvanus, And he's at the church at Jerusalem. And eventually into that church, three years after he was converted, was the Apostle Paul. And they became the best of buddies. And later on, when they, 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 they moved to Antioch together, and then after spending some time in Antioch, then they eventually journeyed together to bring the gospel to Europe. And the amazing thing is this, that when Peter was writing to these five provinces, to the churches that were there, who was with them? It's this man called Sylvanus. It's the same man. Yes, he, he's a Jew. But he also has full Roman citizenship. And he's got two names. And sometimes he's known as Silas. But he's also known as Sylvanus. And here he's with Peter. Now that's interesting. Because I want to tell you this morning, and I just threw this out at you. Some people are, are of the opinion that the Apostle Peter, he, he just looked after the Jewish church, and the Apostle Paul looked after the Gentile church, and these two churches were really at loggerheads with each other and were really divided. And I want to tell you they were not divided. I want to tell you that, there was, that that's not true. There was no rift in the church. There's not two brands of Christianity struggling against each other in the first century. There was no split. That's a lie from the devil. That's an invention of hell. Uh, There's not a ounce of proof. How do I know that? Here's one of the chief men who was a Jew who was in the mother church at Jerusalem who held Roman citizenship uh, and he is devoted to the cause of Jesus Christ. He believes that Jesus is the son of God, the saviour of sinners. He is a leading preacher of the gospel. He, he's a, he's a, a missionary who along with Paul helps open the door to the Gentile world with the gospel. Uh, a man who lives to lead souls to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, and yet this man's life and his influence spans not just the Gentile church but the whole church, including the Jewish section. There's no split. There's not two brands of the church. There's one whole church that's made up of Jews and Gentiles that have become part of the brotherhood of God in the world. Paul, Silas, they're devoted to the cause of God. Peter, And Sylvanus, the same man, are devoted to the cause of God. And before that devotion kicked in, he had got converted. There was a time when he was saved. When he trusted Christ as Lord and Saviour. His sins were forgiven. He was legally justified before the Lord. Is that true of you this morning? For learn learn about Sylvanus. Learn the first thing. He was a saved man in the church. Notice something else. Sylvanus was a steadfast man. We're told here by Sylvanus, a faithful brother, and we'll underline the word faithful. Now, isn't this interesting? This is the last reference to this man. Out of all the seventeen references, this is the last one. And what does the Bible say about him at the end? A faithful brother. Isn't that a A kind of a fitting testimony or a fitting epitaph for the whole of this man's life. A man who started out well in the Christian life, started with Christ, Christ alone, saved by Christ. A man who finished well, who could say like Paul, I have finished my course. You see, what was it about this man that stood out? Why did Paul choose him? Acts 15 and verse 40, here's the answer. He was a man who could be trusted. Sylvanus could be trusted in the Word of God. He's trusted to write down exactly what Peter said, word for word. He's remembered Peter's secretary. He could be trusted to carry the letters to the different churches. He could be trusted to read it out. He could be trusted to explain and expand what Peter meant in the letter. If you go back to Acts 15 and think of verse 22, the apostles trusted him. The elders of the church trusted him. He's risen in the ranks of the church to one of the chief men. In other words, he inspired confidence in the apostles. Whenever they were looking for a man to go to Antioch, maybe having a wee discussion, now who could we send? Who would be good to go with Paul? Silas immediately comes to mind. He inspired confidence. Acts 15 and 40, it says, Paul chose Silas. That was the start of the second missionary journey. And I want to tell you, he didn't choose a softy. He didn't choose a silly man or a sinful man. He certainly didn't choose a sick man. Remember, this was the time the Apostle Paul had rejected John Mark. He refused to take John Mark with him. He was adamant that boy's not coming with us. He came on the first missionary journey and run home to mummy and there was a big argument between him and Uncle Barnabas uh, so much so that, that Paul and Barnabas disputed and, and Paul was willing to depart with Barnabas. You go your way Barnabas, take John Mark with you but I'm certainly not going. I'm, I'm not uh, being having him with me uh, and uh, he, he chose Silas. You see, I believe Paul wanted a stout hearted man. He wanted a steadfast man. He wanted a man that he could trust. Not a man that would turn his back in the day of battle. A man who could be tested. A man who could be trusted. Paul's thinking, if I'm going to Antioch, I'm going on a missionary journey. I need a good man with me. Who? Silas. He inspired confidence, not only in Paul, but he had the inspired confidence in Peter. As I said, he was a faithful secretary. He was a faithful postman. He was a faithful reader of that letter. He was a faithful preacher of the letter. If you turn over there to uh, Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and look with me at the verse 19, it says, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 19, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you. That was in Corinth. By us, even by me, that's the Apollo, and Sylvanus, and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. In other words, these other preachers that followed after me, they came preaching and teaching exactly the same thing that, that I did. See, this man believed the gospel, this man knew the gospel. This man was gripped by the gospel. And that is vital. You think of this first letter of Peter. Five chapters in her authorised version. 2,476 words. Not very long. But Sylvanus, he would be able to expand upon the letter. He, he could explain the letter better. He, he, he could expound the great truths here. He'd done it in the past. He could do it in the present. You see, he was not a doubtful man. He couldn't sort of stand before the congregation and say, well, I'm not really sure what Peter meant by that. I'd have to think about that. And maybe he meant, no, maybe he didn't. No, it wasn't like that. This man was 100% genuine, and Peter could trust him to write it down, to, to deliver it. To, to, to read it out word for word, to to, to to faithfully preach the same things that Peter believed. Peter could trust him 100%. See, these were days when there were false brethren. Some men had crept into the church, and that's what they were, false brethren. They were just pretenders. They could worm their way in to, to rob God of the glory and rob people of the truth of the gospel. But when... We think of Sylvanus, we have to say he was a man who inspired confidence. We could leave it to him. He's really a pattern for us all this morning. You think of the whole of his life, it's a life of constancy, a life of commitment, a life of consistency. What about us when it comes to the study of the Bible? What it comes to us when we're handling the words of God? But what about the preaching of the gospel? Times of prayer when it comes to worship, the work of God, the care of the churches. Here's a question. Can God trust us? Can God trust us with the task that He's given us to do? I've asked myself that as a preacher. The elders of the church, the deacons, the Sunday school teacher, the children's worker, a Christian living out the Christian life, can we be totally trusted to do the work well and wisely and be 100% genuine unto God and before men? <coughs> this man didn't wonder. He didn't deviate. He didn't flinch from, from, from the truth of God's word. He didn't crumble. If he was asked, do you believe the creation story? He said, yes. Believe in Adam and Eve and the historicity of the fall. And do you, you, you believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale and Jesus rose again from the dead bodily? Yes, I do. And that's the type of man that we need in the church. Notice also, he was a man who could be tasked. Think of the word faithful. He was marked by faithful service. Any job, big or small, this man would do it 100%. He was chosen as a helper of Paul. The apostle said, go you to Antioch, Silas. And he went. Here is a helper to Peter. He's writing down a letter. He doesn't say that's beneath him. He's going to act as a postman. He's going to be a, a reader of that letter to the churches. He's going to be a preacher. Now, now think of this. There's a lovely picture. Acts 15 and 22. Think of him at Jerusalem. It's the centre of all things. It's a wonderful city. Go and visit it on your holidays. This was the mother church. This is where it all started. And he's sent by others to Antioch. Kind of an outpost. Remember, he's a Jew. Although he has Roman citizenship as well. He's one of the chief men. He's got an important role. He's got a a position there. But you know, he cared nothing for position. He went where he was needed. He went willingly. He went to pay whatever cost was involved, and he paid it in full. Whenever Paul fled from Berea because of violence and opposition, it was Silas and Timothy that stayed on. Even their lives were in jeopardy. Acts 15 and 34. He was a brother to every Christian in every church. He had brotherly love for all. Didn't matter who they were. Rank or station. This man lived a life of selfless service. A life of true devotion. He he was a truly humble man. But he was also a holy man. And therefore he was a helpful man. A man who was what he was. By the grace of God. In times of trial and trouble. These were days of t- trial and trouble when it was hard to be a Christian. A day of decline and apostasy. False brethren creeping in. A man who could be tasked with a job and be 100% genuine. Isn't this the type of man that we need in the church? And women too. These are days of apostasy and days of decline. And we need men. Men who not only can be trusted, men who not only can inspire confidence, but but faithful men, men who are marked by faithfulness and be faithful to the message and be a faithful messenger. See, let me say this. In in our day, the gospel is not really understood. And in our day, sadly, in many churches, many pulpits, the gospel is not being preached. Now, we would need to understand what the gospel is. It's a message from God. I have a message from God for you. It's a message about God's remedy for human sinfulness, and that ends the doctrine of sin. It's a message that centres in the person and work of Christ, and and, and it's the whole revelation of Christ that we've got to believe and trust in. It's a message, of course, about... uh, perseverance, our message of of faith and repentance, repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. It's a message of loving, service and obedience to to the Saviour. It's a message of deliverance uh, from, from hell. It's a message about heaven and home. You see, it brings in the whole of God's revelation. And that's not properly understood today. And we need men who are devoted to Christ and his cause. And our prayer ought to be, Lord, raise up men like Silas again in the church. Men who understand and know the gospel. And men who can be a pattern for us. Who inspire confidence. Men whose footsteps we can gladly follow. One final thing. Sylvanus was a serving man. Just three points this morning. of man, a steadfast man. But he was a serving man. It's true that he could be trusted. It's true that he could be tested. It's the man that you want with you by your side in the midst of a battle. A man who has your back when the enemy comes. And you see, you're expecting me to preach now this morning, well, let's be like Sylvanus, And in a sense, that's what I'm saying. But a question's going to arise in your mind as we finish, how can I be? Could I have Sylvanus's courage? Could I have as knowledge of God and the gospel? Could I be constant and firm? Can I stand for God in an evil day when it's hard to be a Christian? Can I be faithful? How can I be faithful? Just by our strong will, by a determined spirit, by the British stiff upper lip, by, by gritting our teeth. Having a a strong mind? Determination? No. A thousand times no. How can I be faithful? Now think of this as we finish. Look at that word faithful again. Think of the first five letters. Faithful. You see, what Sylvanas believed... Determined how he behaved. What Silvanus accepted as true. Determined how he acted. This man's was heart was gripped by the gospel. He was excited about the gospel. And then he was his heart was going by the gospel. And of course he learned this from the Apostle Paul. Paul says I believe. Therefore have I spoken. And that's the secret. That's how we can be faithful. What we believe must determine how we behave. If you have a proper belief about your sinnership and about salvation and about sanctification and about prayer and a proper belief about the Bible being the infallible and errant word of God, then what you believe will determine how you behave. You see, this man lived and acted by faith. Doesn't the Bible say the just shall live by faith? Have you ever asked yourself how did the men of God in the Bible times, Old Testament, New Testament, achieve and accomplish so much for God? They did it because of what they believed. What they accepted that was true and gripped their hearts. Then they acted upon that and went for God. As I've said, and I'm going to draw to a close, we live in a day of ignorance. We live in a day of apathy. What is the gospel? I've given you a few sentences. Many clerics and many pulpits would deny what I've said is the gospel. What is justification by faith alone? What are the offices of Christ? What is the... the the priesthood of all believers. But what do we mean by an infallible Bible or a God-breathed book? You see, the the reality is, folks, and I'm not scolding you this morning, but, but but we need to face reality, hard facts. Many of us, including myself, don't really know. And because we don't know much about doctrine then that impacts upon what we think and how we live and I want to tell you our ignorance is not an excuse you you think this morning of somebody that has a hobby let's say it's, it's, it's a fascination with cars they know every detail about every car and in their mind, they can strip it down and put it back together again. And they can talk about this model and talk about that model and how it was different from one to another. But if they're a Christian, do they know the names of the 12 apostles? Could, could they recite the Lord's Prayer? Could they recite the Ten Commandments? You see, it's not enough to say, but, but I don't understand the Gospel. And it's not enough to say, but I know little about church history or about Luther." See, it's not a lack of intelligence. It's a lack of spirituality. Is thy heart right with God? Because I'm convinced that this was the secret. Silvanus was a serving man, faithful. Why? Because what he really believed determined how he really behaved. And we need men like this in the church. We need God to raise up saved men. We need God to give us steadfast men. Men who can be trusted, but men who can be tested to do any job at whatever cost. And they'll do it 100% from their heart. And we need men who will serve. Not in the flesh, not in their own strength and power, but by the true grace of God who has brought to the place that what I believe determines how I behave. The psalmist said, while I mused, mused in the scriptures, thought about God, the fire burned. It burned in his soul. And then others felt the heat of that. May we learn to do the same thing. Think about Silvanus, a faithful brother, a saved man, steadfast and served because of what he believed. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you.